it is only going to get bigger due to the announcements made by by Boeing and Airbus on their predictions over the next um, 20 years. We're looking at 600,000 new pilots. Uh, if you if you break that down, that you were talking about over 400 hours of sim training for each individual. Hello and a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to my guest today, Mr. Josh Hooper. How are you doing, Josh? Good. Help yourself, Tyler. And I'm awesome. So good to connect with you. You're the president at E3 Aerospace. And before we jump into the elevator, any type of aviation, anyone who's listened to me for any period of time knows that I did have a background as, as a pilot. That was my career. That was my path. Moved to Alberta to fly. And then 9-11 had, a, had a changed, changed my stars. But uh, I do not fly anymore, but I always have a warm place in my heart for not only the industry, but individuals that have stuck with it in the ups and downs of what is the aviation market, which we'll touch on a little bit, maybe as part of even your reason for being is tied to those ups and downs. But let's yeah. jump in the pitch elevator. What's, uh, what's an E3 Aerospace Inc., and then we'll uh, kick it off from there. So E3 Aerospace uh, was created uh, by um, two other colleagues and myself, and uh, we saw a pretty significant need to, to move training from uh, abroad into Canada. Uh, okay. A lot of what the training is out there is, is uh, going to the States, going through the TSA product, uh, process, doing uh, American currency, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And the pandemic really kind of shined a light on that. And, and that's uh, where we said, you know what, we keep, this is a major problem and we can solve this problem with the with our backgrounds and experience and network that uh, we can build this company and, and, uh, and make a really robust training organization that, that, that helps the Canadian industry. So just to give you on all, just to bring the audience in, but also to, to kind of steward my own understanding. So obviously I did my private pilot's license. I did my basic, I did my multi-commercial IFR. I did all that in Canada. There was lots of every city or every major, you know, urban center seems to have a few schools kind of scattered around that do that. But what you guys are talking about, to be clear, is that next level. When I get up into larger aircraft, kind of airlines, bigger planes, more expense, um, a big part of a pilot's life is staying current and also getting certified on new types. Is that the space you guys are talking about is more the upper end of that spectrum? Exactly. So we have, uh, uh, every commercial operator out there needs to do uh, either training every six months or every year uh, okay. to maintain currency on the aircraft types that they fly. So training is a constant thing. It's uh, regulated by the the Civil Aviation Authority on every country in, in the planet. So, so this industry is just continually, continually growing and building. And and uh, where we lack in the experience, uh, we make up it for in training. And that's where we're starting to see with the attrition okay. and and that kind of stuff. Uh, and we'll touch about a little bit about obviously the big the big left hook that hit every industry and the avi industry avi industry aviation industry maybe a little bit more than some with the two black eyes from COVID. But historically, this is something we've quote unquote outsourced. And I'm talking about on a federal level, like you're you're a you're a domestic, you're a Canadian operator, Air Canada, you're WestJet, you're you know one of the names over the years. Was it just the way it was that you had to send your your pilots? either to the U S or overseas. Like that's just, you know, so many industries are like, well, that's just the way we've always done it. Cause that was our only option. Is that pretty much been the status quo? And I don't know if, are we looking at like the last 20 years, 15 years, or even more than that? Well, yeah, it's ever since I've been, I'm a pilot for 20 years and, and that's kind of where we've always ended up sending people on the more high performance aircraft. Um, there's always been a, a level of 
in aircraft training where uh, operators would use their own aircraft and, and yeah. their own training staff and, and just take the airplane up for a spin and, and do the required training. Uh, as the aircraft get more complex and, and more difficult to fly, then uh, companies send their staff to uh, the United States to companies like Flight Safety or CAE uh, to, to do their, yeah. their training. Um, where you see a bit of a, uh, a gap is a lot of those simulators are in the United States. The Canadian um, full flight simulator business is more focused towards the larger aircraft. Uh, um, Air Canada has a pretty substantial uh, set of simulators to, to manage their fleet. They're based in Montreal and Toronto and Vancouver. And then there's a, another operator in Toronto called Flight Safety International. And they're, they're um, more focused towards Port Airlines and, and uh, the De Havilland manufacturing plant in Downsview. Um, that's, that's where a lot of their business uh, came from over the last few decades. So there is this big gap in aircraft types that are popular in Canada where there is no training devices in the country to be able to manage that. So we are ended up sending people away. Let's give the aviation buffs who are decided to tune in here because they saw the title and they're like, hmm, what is this about? What kind of high, when you say high performance aircraft, let's throw some types around. What, what, are we, what are we actually talking about in terms of, and sorry for anybody who's not super into aircraft, but if you are, you're going to be glad that we opened this one up. What's, give, me, give me some specific aircraft types that you're re referring to just to get down to the nitty gritty of it. Well, um, the, there is a few aircraft types that we've kind of targeted. Like uh, okay. the, the centerpiece of, of E3 Aerospace uh, initial simulator is the 737 MAX, uh, okay. obviously one of the most popular aircraft uh, ever built. Um, and there is a pretty massive gap in training on that. And it's the aircraft that both Air Canada, WestJet, Lynx, Swoop, uh, um, Flare, they all operate this aircraft. It's, it, so it's quite popular in Canada. Uh, additionally, uh, we're looking at um, medium turboprop aircraft, stuff that would uh, work with the regional airlines. And then some of the smaller niche stuff, um, like King Air's um, 1900, um, the Sol 340-8, th those type of aircraft. Okay, so all the way up to 737 Max would be. Yeah. So that's your that's your kind of main focus. And it, do we exactly. want to okay? Do we want to get into the nuts and bolts? Like, walk us through what what am I looking at? Am I looking at the self-contained sim that's sitting up on a pedestal that's got movement? And it's got like we've all seen those photos, or so we all most of us have seen those photos. You, you 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 Google flight sim. You either get like somebody at home with a multi-screen setup that's kind of built their own rig, or you get that picture of like you said, flight safety or CAE, where you've got these essentially like almost out of a movie, these scenes of these, these SEMs sitting up and like a gangplank that walks out to them and you go in and you've got this self-contained environment. Is that what we're talking about when we talk about caliber of SEM? Absolutely. So, okay. so that is the full flight simulator level D training device that, that, uh, that we're looking at getting okay. into. And, and uh, where, where the majority of training programs out there, you do your simulator flying, and it is so real and it is so accurate that your flight, first flight in the actual aircraft is those passengers on board. So that's, that's the level of complexity and sophistication and realism that's involved with these, these simulators. And the reality, and I've got lots of buddies in it, like the, the things you can train, like there's in-flight, you know, where you're maybe in a smaller aircraft and you're going to go up and fly some circuits and get, you know, do your check ride with your pilot. But the amount of scenarios that you can create, and ultimately that's really like 
the real value from a safety perspective is you can train scenarios that are almost impossible, if, if not unable to be duplicated in a real aircraft. Is that also, I, that sounds obvious to say it out loud, but to clarify the value of a sim environment goes far beyond just cost and, and access. Yeah. I, right now, what E3 is doing is, is uh, to create cash flow uh, for the company is, is a lot of contract training. So okay. we're doing, and we're doing training uh, in the aircraft and in the simulator. And okay. there's things that we can do in the simulator uh, where we can say, okay, this is what this electrical bus looks like when it fails. And then they can look at the simulator. We mm -hmm. can pause it in flight and actually diagnose what's happened with the simulator and see what happens uh, in the aircraft. That obviously can't be replicated. Uh, similar things where, where you would simulate a uh, engine malfunction um, in the airplane, that is uh, pull the power back on the one side and, and feel the yaw, and, but we're not shutting the airplane down. Uh, in the simulator, you can give that catastrophic failure of a fuel pump or something like that where the engine actually shuts down in a critical phase of flight where they have to deal with that. And if you're going to make mistakes, that's the environment you want to be making the mistakes rather than than in the aircraft. And making mistakes is part of the learning process. So the more mistakes you make, often is the more you're learning. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. And creating a safe environment to do that. Exactly. And providing access in Canada, this is, just to think about, this isn't something that companies skimp on because it's regulated. What we're really trying to do is you saw a business case for being able to kind of onshore this, if you will, in on Canadian soil at a scale that just hasn't been provided before. So it's not that companies weren't going to be sending people for training because you, like you said, or, or maybe I'm, uh, what, what I want to imply is that like, oh, we don't, this is really hard to do. So we're just not going to do training. That's not what happens. We're going to do training because it's regulated. You're just seeing a business gap and why you guys decided to go down this path. We'll get into the investment and the cost of some of these pieces of equipment here in a second, which I think really brings some gravitas to this, to this this business venture. But what you're creating is like, hey, if I can send my pilot to Calgary, that's a lot easier than sending him to Florida or to sending him to the UK, like at a simple value proposition perspective, right out of, right out of the gate. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, we see that the three founders that, that started this have all, we all have a flight operations background. So, so I've been uh, chief pilots of multiple airlines. I've been training departments. I've seen the numbers. I've seen the the logistical um, process to get somebody trained, uh, mm. and so we we've lived the problem. Uh, we've we've worked through it, and things like like connecting flights to get to some of these uh, odd places in the United States where the simulator facility is, um, the the traditional low Canadian dollar. Um, the inefficiency of being so far away from home and the travel days, it's just, it, all those things really start to add up. And then additionally, we have the TSA process where right. if, if you are training in a flight simulator in the United States because of September 11th, you, you, you have to have a pretty substantial background check. And as a result, uh, as a flight operations manager, where I've seen issues is, is we hire a person, they go through the background check and, they say, okay, well, we need to do, we need more time with this person's file to make sure that they're legit. And, and stuff where we have uh, Canadian veterans who were over in Afghanistan, and then the, the background check was going, well, why are you over in Afghanistan? <laughs> well, I was, I was there for you guys. Yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> so, sent, you sent me there. Yeah, you asked you and I went. Yeah. So, 
So it turns into this into this issue, wow. and it's okay. it's difficult for operators to to keep somebody on payroll for three months as they're going through their process, and in the meantime, they've lost this productivity from the pilot and and uh, kept them on payroll and and all the associated costs that are that uh, go with that. Wow. Things you don't even think about of like, oh, I was in services and I was in Afghanistan, but on my record, it shows that I, you know, thinking about that and obviously September 11th had a significant impact on the aviation industry in, 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 in North, in the world globally. And obviously we just went through the pandemic. So what's How long you guys been around? What's your timeline? I'm just, of course, I'm lining this up to the pandemic and some of the recent probably pressures that maybe make this seems like even a better idea. I would, I would guess since the pandemic. Yeah. And, and the, the pandemic really shone uh, a pretty a bright light on the problem. Like it has always been a problem. It's always been in the discussions with uh, among pilot groups going, man, I wish there was something close um, where we could do this training. Uh, but the, the pandemic really shone a, a bright light on, on the gaps because at, during the height of it, where everything was shut down after March, we couldn't even travel to the United States. So Transfer Canada had to make all these um, uh, exemptions and and we had to start moving people into training on the aircraft that that where we had never ever trained on the aircraft before and so that was a new process for for uh, operators we had people falling out of currency working on exemptions and it it was really significant not being able to go to the simulators uh, for for the for the industry luckily the the exposure to the risk wasn't as as uh, wasn't as big of a deal, like it, because a lot of the people who maintained uh, employment within the industry were generally high seniority, high experience, uh, where we where we could mitigate that risk, and a lot and most operators uh, did risk assessments on how they were managing the the gap in training during during it during the pandemic, but it still identified a problem that needs to be solved. Interesting. Yeah, which is yeah. when did you guys get established? What's your timeline? Just as oh, sorry, yeah, as E three, yeah, yeah. We we uh, we were founded in August of last year, so it's just been okay. over a oh, year nice. now uh, of, of operation, which is which has gone good, and and uh, we all had uh, jobs, obviously, uh, when we started this, and and come August first of this year is when I moved from. Um, uh, being a part-time to, to full-time employment by E3. So, so it's, uh, hey, from one entrepreneur to another, congratulations. That is a significant <laughs> move. And you know, when, when, when the side hustle starts to become your real job and the real job becomes your startup, that's an interesting shift in mindset. Yeah. We could do a whole episode just on the mindset of that and letting, and letting go maybe of that, of that safety cord or whatever we want to call it. But you know, hey, it's, it's sorry, terrifying. It oh, yeah. is so terrifying. <laughs> Thanks for saying that. I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> It, it, uh, because it's, it's all up to you to, to make it, make a go. Right. And so it's, it, um, but it's working, it's working and, and, uh, we're, we're not doing too bad actually. So that's kind of nice. I'm glad to hear that. That's a friend of mine. There's being entrepreneurial and then there's being on your kitchen floor in tears because you're not sure if you can make payroll. That's, yeah. then there's that kind of entrepreneurial, which is again, nobody aspires to that, but I appreciate the. You know, I had a, a joke years ago. My business partner's like, if I have one more person tell me how entrepreneurial they am while receiving a full-time paycheck, I'm really going to just lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same. It's not the same. Anyway, that's a, that feels like another podcast. All right, let's get into nuts and bolts of the business here. So, okay, um, you've got established competitors, flight safety, CE. We'll just pick. We'll just pick two big names because you don't have to be even remotely involved in the industry, and those are names you probably hear just from the business community. Mm -hmm. How readily 
and willing are some of the current uh, purchasers of these services to go, oh, you've got a 737 MAX simulator in Calgary? Yeah, we're switching all of our training. We're sending you all there. I'm always curious about, this is a great idea, but sometimes customers are reluctant to change what they've done because although it might be uncomfortable, it's the devil you know. So I'm curious on in early days, what's your gauge on that and that kind of the willingness for some of these bigger contracts to potentially be moved to a new a new you know two-year-old player just to be kind of candid and make it interesting? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's It's... Uh, a lot of larger operators have contracts with the service providers that say, you know, we've signed a deal with them that we're going to do their training. And, and unless there's a, a, a gap in service, uh, you will utilize us. And that's totally understandable. And, and that is something that we, uh, we understand and, and have to manage. But, but we've done a lot of market research. We've done a lot of, uh, we've had a lot of conversations with air operators uh, about certain aircraft type where we've asked them, you know, if we did get this, would you come to us? And the, just the sheer value of paying Canadian dollars and not having that uh, yeah, that, yeah. that uncertainty on, in budget and the uh, the ability, to, the, the ease of getting to Calgary yeah. uh, and the efficiency of getting to Calgary, they look at it and go, absolutely. We, we, yeah. we need to, we need, to. It, it just streamlines so much stuff for them. It creates so much more efficiency for them where they go, yeah, we will do it. So there, there, is, there is bigger operators that will have to, you know, eventually work on them to get a, a contract uh, and, it's, and it's, it's, a, it's, a journey, it's a journey for sure. And yeah. sometimes nobody wants to be first, but when all of a sudden, you know, it's a small industry and everybody talks, so word, word will get around, right? Yeah, and that's and that's we've already started to see it a little bit where people are calling us and and asking us about the training and and helping them out, which is which is great because you know we've we've started to establish this network of of operators that that okay this is a company that we can potentially use to help us out with our training. Nice, nice. But yeah, when we when we reached out to, for for a bunch of LOIs on on some of the devices that we are looking at. People were pretty receptive, and 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 we've got a lot of signatures saying, "Hey, we will use you if you bring this, uh, bring this okay, platform great. to Calgary." That's awesome. yeah. Now let's. I appreciate. I appreciate that. And and you know, you this is an industry where <clears throat> there's lots of times like, oh, geez, we got to get this person, or they fall. In. Like there, there's those emergencies, or there's those all of a sudden needs, and boom, if you're going to be there and you're easier and you're closer, that's how you get a trial, and that's how you get a repeat customer, right? That's how that works. Because this is an industry that's like, oh, we like we need this, and we need to we need it easy, and we need it fast, and we need to make and we need it good. And now a message from one of our valued partners. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with International Justice Mission. Thank you to Philip Calvert and his team for the incredible work they do to bring awareness to the global problem of modern day slavery. I'm proud to share with my audience that I formalized my relationship with IGMs for becoming one of their Canadian ambassadors. Why? Because I believe we can end slavery in our lifetime, and I want to use my platform to be part of that mission. For many of you, hearing that statement may be a rallying cry. For the rest, it may be a moment of, wait, what? Slavery? Is that even a thing? For me, up to 12 to 18 months ago, it was the second. I did not even understand the problem or that it existed at the scale that it does. Currently, there are over 40 million people affected by modern-day slavery. 40 million people. After a chance meeting with Philip Calvert, National Director of Development for IGM Canada, my eyes were open to the reality that poor people face the world over, a reality of violence that stops them from ever moving forward in their life. At first, this made me uncomfortable. Then it made me downright mad. But then it gave me hope. 
It is support of groups like IGM that will allow us to reach the goal of ending slavery in our lifetime and give hope to people who may have none. I know this can be an uncomfortable conversation, and that is okay. That's why we're going to go on this journey together. Stay tuned as we host guests from IGM who will help educate us, as well as upcoming events that where we can meet the amazing people that make the work they do a reality. Please join me in supporting this incredible organization by visiting and donating to their cause at www.igm.ca. We will only succeed in any slavery in our lifetime if we work together to make a difference. Thank you for listening. And now back to today's good old-fashioned chat. Let's talk about the dollars and cents because these are not... Um, this isn't Microsoft Flight Sim. Like this is, sorry, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, wait, wait, wait to bookend right. it way over on left side of the field. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what, is that your reference, Tyler? Is that your reference point? Um, talk to me about the investment. What are we looking at? for? Let's, and let's pick on the 737 MAX. It's an aircraft that most of us know. Most of us have flown on it uh, as a passenger. If I'm going to put a sim like that in Canada, what am I looking at? What kind of investment? What, what's, give, us some, give us some ranges to start to think about this business from a, from a cost to get it up and running perspective. Absolutely. So, so we're we're looking at the seven thirty seven Max as a as a brand new simulator. Okay. Um, we've uh, we've reached out uh, and established a relationship with a company called Avion out of uh, the Netherlands, yeah. and they have um, a a seven thirty seven platform which we've worked into becoming the launch customer for, um, nice. which is which has given us some launch customer pricing. Uh, nice. So, uh, but like you said, this is this is a very advanced. Um, everything is identical to the aircraft, uh, and then on top of that, there's a massive software piece that comes from Boeing, uh, mm, where they've taken all their test flight data and uh, put it into a software program that's available for the simulator. So, the wh- where we're at right now is the simulator is caught cost is um is just over four million euro okay uh and then the data package from boeing is about seven and a half million u.s dollars oh nice okay that that, that shoots things up quickly yeah Mm. absolutely so so it it is pretty expensive to get that uh get that uh, simulator and and that's where we're 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 having uh it's a big number, right? For one it is. I, asset, yeah. right? Well, so, and, and you've so got to put it in a building, and you've got to create an environment yes. for that. Like that's 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 a plus plus plus. Like that's your it, exactly. That, that's the that's the gateway, right? That's just the, that's just to be able to say you're going to play the game. Now you've got to build everything around that infrastructure to support that. Where these pilots are going to be flying in, and uh, so now let's talk about the investment community. How's the conversations been going? How's it been received? It, you know, is there a high get it factor, and are the people with get it? factor willing to write checks what have you what have you seen down to the nuts and bolts of starting a business like this well it's in it's it's been a lot of learning uh to say the least it, we we've done um uh a few pitches here we've we've had a few conversations uh and there there it's a it's a two-fold challenge i think one of the first things is uh having the investors understand what the, what the problem is because they have to learn aviation is so unique and, and it, it, that needs to be explained. Uh, and then um, you have to explain why this thing's so expensive and, and that, that, so, so it's been, it's been a difficult road uh, because you don't have much time to pitch and, and you have to yeah, right. 
share your time of what is the industry and what are we trying to do and why is this so expensive and, and how is it going to make money. Uh, and it has to be patient money as well because it, the simulators aren't on the shelf. They, it's not like they just pull it off the shelf and they go, here you go. It's, it's a hand-built, um, from-the-ground-up type of uh, device where, where everything is you know, put together meticulously and then certified by the regulatory authority. And then um, you know, the move is not a, an easy thing. It's a complex move and, uh, to move the device. And so it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. And so they have to, whoever uh, we look at as, as far as investor, we need to help them understand that this, is, uh, this mm -hmm. isn't going to be cranking out revenue in a month. I do really appreciate that you said something so powerful that that other guests have said on the show, patient patient money or patient capital. It's having someone understand that this is a longer term. And in, in a world where I think sometimes investors are looking for more you know, technology-based or SaaS or like how quick and how little overhead and how fast can we get this up and how fast, how fast can we 10X or 100X or X our money? It's, it sounds like a very specific investor pool that is really comfortable with kind of large capital expenditure, like gear, like you literally have to buy the gear and then you have to equip it and put it in a facility. It's an, it's basically an aircraft that doesn't fly to a certain extent, right? <laughs> and, and that's a, one of the other things that we have to kind of explain is that um, when, when the, it's not, one of the, one of the questions is, can we just put it into a small building and then, and then move it in, as you guys grow and, Moving the simulator is is a massive undertaking. You know, it's mm -hmm. months of work. It's it's downtime, and then you risk losing certification because it needs to be recertified every time it it moves. You've disrupted so, it. So yeah, it, uh, so so all this calibrating and testing, and then certification and the downtime really adds up. So moving it, uh, it it's almost like like you you build the facility around the simulator almost it, yeah it, yeah no it, i appreciate that it's not to, it's not a, an easy task to do so explaining that piece has always has been a bit of a challenge as well um the other thing that we've seen with the investment community is is that it's hard to gauge who we're talking to you know there's there's okay. when we we first started uh talking about it they a lot of the feedback was you make more make money what do you, you haven't started making any cash flow yet so we changed gears a little bit and we started using our skill set to to create some revenue as sort of service and there are some investors who said uh you know you're not asking for enough you need to ask for more money and we're like well geez we have no problem with asking for more and then the other we have the other side of the coin where it's like well it's just too much we can't we can't get into that so so it's it from an investment perspective it's been really hard to kind of diagnose who you're talking to, to, to make sure that your story and, and what your ask is, is appropriate for what they're looking for. And that, that's, that's, um, that's probably been a, a pretty, that's probably been one of the biggest challenges that, that myself personally has had with, with this whole, uh, mm -hmm. this whole search for funding. And have you been talking to Canadian or us or are you open to, I'm just curious, like, cause as you get really specific and you bring it to back to marketing, who's your ideal customer in this case, who's your, who's your ideal investor profile? I could, I would guess that they're probably, you can't just rely on Calgary, Western Canada, or even Canada for that matter to have these conversations. Yeah, we've, we've kind of looked, um, uh, the, there's, we've reached out to a couple people in Europe, uh, a few people in the United States, a few people in Canada. Um, I, I would prefer to have a Canadian investment because, you know, keep it at home. That's kind of the reason for what we're doing is to move this Canadian spending in back to Canada and keep Canadian dollars in Canada. Right. So, 
So uh, I prefer to see that, but we're, we're really in a position here where if we can get this thing going, it's, it will self-fund itself as we continue to grow. And, that, and that's, it's just that initial um, first, first kick, I guess you could say, yep. um, mm-hmm. where, where, where we want to do it. And then, <laughs> investors like the idea once they start to understand it. They go, like, oh, this is great. I, I like it. When you start getting operational, come back to us and we'll have a chat. Then it's too late and then I don't yeah. need your money. So it's a whole yeah, different nobody, thing at that nobody point. Nobody wants to be first. And that's fair. I, I totally get it. It's a big, it's a big ask, but, but, uh, but it's uh, that that initial piece we're, we're really looking forward to getting it one of these days. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, listen up everyone. I was on the audience. Um, <laughs> how have you guys been funding it so far? It's uh, we've had a small investment from a friends and family round and okay. then uh, the rest is just all been bootstrapped. So it's um, it's, it's been a journey. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'm quite it's, sure. It's, I'm quite sure it is. Yeah. But you know, the, to be honest with you with, we're just using our knowledge, background, uh, experience, network to, to, to build this right now mm-hmm. from utilizing our, our skill set. Um, so uh, our overhead is pretty small. Our burn rate's really small because uh, – and just so we can gener- generate the cash flow to so- show that we're, we're an operating company. And that was one of the asks of some of the investors was, was – be a little bit more established and then come back and have a conversation. So, you know, we've, yeah, that's fair. we've mm-hmm. got the legal counsel, accountants, payroll, you know, all that insurance, all that kind of stuff is all set up now. We're an operating company and, and, uh, and we look better you know, on paper, I guess you could say. Yeah, you, you, it's all about creating the right story, right? And I do yeah. appreciate your honesty around that. And for everyone listening who started a business, like that, that, that is the interesting conversation. It's, the age old, like, well, once you have experience, I'll hire you. Like, how do I get experience if you don't hire me? It's kind of, it's that old joke a little bit. Yeah. Um, curious, just circle back a little bit. This piece of, this piece of gear, the SIM, what's the lifespan on one of these things? Like, you know, I know a well-maintained aircraft can be around flying for 40 or 50 years. Like, it's crazy. So my buddy was flying the Convair 580 out in, um, out in BC. And it was like, a, like I originally came off the line as a, as a passenger aircraft in like 1953. And yet he's flying this thing and you go on and it literally looks like your mom's old, like uh, transistor radio in the back when you open up and see the tubes and all the things that it is, but it was so well-maintained. And I think they just retired them this year, but is a SIM like that? Or is it more because it's such a piece of tech that there is a SIM? Just curious of the uptake and the, like the shelf life of a, of a piece of gear like this compared to like an aircraft that can be around for a long period of time. Yeah, we have we have a, a around a thirty to forty year lifespan. Um, oh, okay. I was oh, I was in Seattle. Wow. Um, okay. I was in Seattle uh, a couple weeks ago doing some training, and the simulator that I was operating there is is was built in nineteen ninety six, and it's still running twenty hours a day. So so they they do have they wow. they require okay. regular maintenance. They they. We, you know, the the simulator gets touched every day to make sure that it's uh, operational and system checks all right. And uh, just like an airplane, if there's anything wrong with the device, the the flight crew who's in it will will snag it, and then uh, the SimTex will fix it. So, so it's constantly getting looked at. It's constantly getting um, checked over. And it, it the realism of the sim is so important uh, right. to and to make sure that that the. Um, the user is getting that appropriate experience where they truly feel like they're in the aircraft and that's uh, that it needs to be a functioning properly to, to do that. So because of the touch time, it has quite a, quite a long life to it. 
Interesting. I've always been yeah. impressed with aircraft in general and like the level of maintenance and the quality of the product and, you know, versus many mechanical things, they just break down. And over time you just stop using them. You would never There's dream a of relying. piece of equipment. Yeah. yeah, totally. It is interesting, but with a high degree of, uh, so curious Western Canada, any advantages, disadvantages, maybe I'm curious, any, any disadvantages to being in Western Canada that you've run in so, so far and like, but international airport, easy to get to, like you've already checked some of those boxes and just what you've said so far, has that been a conversation with any of your investors of like, Oh geez. Yeah. But why Calgary or why, why Alberta kind of thing? Has that come up at all? Yeah. You know, the, 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 the three other big cities, you know, Toronto, Toronto Montreal, Vancouver, yeah. they all have sim centers. Um, okay. uh, obviously the, the, they're very more, they're, they're much more centric to Air Canada's, uh, flight department and flight operations. Uh, but they do have some general aviation equipment there. Um, you know, M Montreal has the Bombardier products there and, and Toronto has a few other stuff like a Citizen 37 next gen and, and, and that kind of stuff. So, so there, there, there is, uh, these centers avail around, but Calgary doesn't have that, uh, okay. that, uh, Alberta as a whole, the, the PST is a huge thing. PST, HST, you know, that lack of tax is a, is a big piece. Um, the climate's a big piece too. You know, we, I'm never worried about, uh, you know, unless you're close to the river, but I'm not worried about flooding or forest fires or earthquakes or tsunamis or you do the risk assessment on what, what your geographical location. And we've kind of looked at that going, we're in a pretty, stable area of of canada to to be operating this this device that's bolted to the ground that's a high value asset yeah, it's, so it's so interesting to think about all those things like you can't just pick up and move your asset if things go sideways like and an, even an earth tremor boom you've got to recalibrate the whole unit now <laughs> yeah it yeah so it could it could be significant and the and you know we look at WestJet and their connectivity of calgary to the rest of the world you know you can you can it, it, and with the pandemic recovery, it's just continuing to to get back to where it was in 2019, and 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 even expanding more from there. So, uh, Calgary is the most logical place. We we have and we have so much here from an aerospace uh, perspective. We have, you know, we have this Canada's uh, second largest airline. We have this uh, massive announcement from De Havilland Aircraft. Yes, I was going to bring that so up. Absolutely. This big yeah. manufacturer that's here. Um, we have all sorts of flight schools, uh, in Canada. So, so we have, uh, or sorry, in, in Calgary and the surrounding area. So we have this massive in infrastructure, but we don't have this, there, there's this gap that we're trying to fill where it, there's a piece of training that always has to be done by the commercial air operators that we are leaving here when we don't need to, we have mm -hmm. the infrastructure in we have the infrastructure, we have the people, we have the size to be able to do this at home. So let's do it at home. Uh, and that's, it. The, that's the way I look at it. Is and, and, <laughs> and if you ask a lot of people within the industry, they're going to look at it the same way. It's like, like why, are we, why are we going away when we can do this here in Calgary? Well, I love the pandemic just in general has brought so much focus on why are we importing this? Why, why can't we be reliant? What's going on here? And I, I just, you know, this just falls under that very broad sweeping statement. Any conversations with the province? What about funding? Because obviously, you know, with the De Havilland announcement, I think there was some funding that was, you know, I think Mount Royal got mentioned around some funding around their flight and their aviation programs there. Have you had any conversations at the provincial level around 
uh, you know, and I know sometimes those are almost more work than they're worth when you look at funding with 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 that around it. But seems like there's an appetite around this the aerospace industry in general in, in Western Canada. Has that been a factor for you guys around fundraising or just having conversations? Yeah, especially lately um, okay. with the investment in aviation and aerospace has been pretty significant. But uh, we have had some conversations with the government. You know, a, a lot of those conversations were, were when we were first starting out. We weren't quite, um, um, we weren't quite there yet with yeah. some of the potential programs that were out there. Uh, we have signed an MOU with Invest Alberta, and uh, we've been we've we've talked to some of the um, some of the MLAs. So so we've we've done some work there, but but we really haven't buckle down and, and, and attack that, uh, more now that we're starting to, now that we're established and, 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 uh, making cash flow and we have, you know, we have year end, uh, uh financials now. So, so it's, things have changed. Quite a bit it changes the our, conversation. Yeah, and, that, and, and, I, and exactly. I know anyone who's pursued it, it's a, it can be a very time consuming road to go down. And that's like, the other piece too, is it's, it's time consuming and, and we're, we've been in a position right now where, um, we've been looking at, at private investment, uh, yeah. rather than the government side and, and, uh, focusing on those pitches and those conversations and then doing the work to, to continue to, to make cash flow. So I'm still flying airplanes and training right. and going to the simulators and, and using my skill set, same with the other founders. So, uh, we're, 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 we're still in that process of, of building the company that we yeah, haven't no, had I, a, much, a, a ton of time to sit down and, and go through the application process with some of the government programs. Yeah, which I yeah, for, I'm I'm not great at pursuing those types of things either because just the time commitment. I always I always find something else to do to be fun, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, I know there's money out there. I just don't know if I'm going to be committed enough to go find it in that in that context. Um, are you guys from a from a funding perspective, are you guys entertaining both de- debt and equity kind of perspectives on things? Yes. And and it does is that a big factor when you're having those conversations of like, well, geez, debt, we don't you don't have anything to loan against or we're not sure if there's any value in equity or oh, you're too soon. Come to us later. It feels like there's a story that kind of counters both of those in a negative way. <laughs> yeah. And I think that where, where, where we will see the most benefit is from a, a, a mixture of the two. Okay. Um, yeah, appreciate that. So, so we are willing to, to give up a portion of the company to, to get this thing rolling. Uh, but the simulators it, itself is, the, the, the amount of time it can operate in the day and the revenue that it can bring in, we can service a substantial amount of debt from the operation. I understand. Of the well, I heard you, so, you said the 20 hours a day comment you said about dumping down. Yeah. Seattle. That's a significant like a utilization of asset. Yeah. <laughs> way and way our, more than, than an often an, air, an aircraft, which sits on the ground sometimes more than it flies oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so we, we're, you know, to, to kind of give you some, some numbers here, like, it, at at twenty hours a day, we we've done our performa based on sixteen uh, hours a day. Okay. Um, so we've been pretty modest with our cash flow and and, and what it could potentially could do. But these simulators, just you know, if you get get your calculator out, they, they can operate up to seven thousand hours a year, anywhere between four hundred and two thousand dollars an hour. So okay. All right. So well, it, it, you know, it can, it, you know, depending on the, on the device, of course, but, but it, it can be pretty lucrative. And that's kind of another reason why we've kind of wanted to go down this road is that, that it is, it is a money generating, uh, part of the industry. So, I appreciate that. And, and it's yeah. a, and it's a foregone conclusion. Even yeah. like you said, in, in, during the downturn, when planes weren't flying as much, 
teams still had to go on sims because they were falling out of certification. They were falling behind in there where they were. And so it's interesting that kind of, I don't, I don't want to say the word recession proof because that's an arrogant thing to say, but even during the downturn when the aviation industry had like, you know, I think, I think Calgary airport, I'd had the CFO on. He said that one point they lost 85% of their traffic. Pilots still need to stay current. Pilots still need to stay certified. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's, and that's another piece of this yeah. business. That you, investing in the service around the airline side of things, especially with training is it, it is something that is a constant. It's uh, it's uh, the training is always happening, uh, mm. and it is only going to get bigger due to the announcements made by by Boeing and Airbus on their predictions over the next um, twenty years. We're looking at six hundred thousand new pilots. Uh, mm. If you if you break that down, that you were talking about over four hundred hours of sim training for each individual. So it, yeah, yeah. It, it becomes a very substantial number at that point for, for the training. And the two big operators, the CAE and Flight Safety, they're billion-dollar companies. Uh, so uh, one, another reason why we're trying to break into this. Interesting. So, Josh, what I'm hearing is I should probably dig out my, my logbook and get my medical up to date. So what you're saying. There's some opportunity here to get back into flying. <laughs> There's a ton of opportunity <laughs> for you, Tyler. You, you can put your yeah, right, I don't know. I, th right I think the path is diverged for me, and uh, applying for fun is a different thing. But yeah, sorry. I was like, so what you're saying is I should maybe look at my my, my career again. <laughs> Josh, I really appreciate yeah. your honesty and kind of the, the reality of just the numbers and kind of where you guys are at. And obviously, when you and I first met, I was really excited to learn more. And one, as you know, or anyone who listens to me, I'm very pro what can we do in, uh, in Calgary, Alberta, Western Canada, kind of almost in, in that order. So to hear about, well, yeah, Montreal has what they have, Toronto has what they have, Vancouver, but we've got a gap here. And with the aerospace industry and so many of the positive moves, it, 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 nothing you're saying kind of feels like it's coming out of left field. And I don't want to, I'm not oversimplifying it in any way, but it does sound mm -hmm. like a fit of, you know, like, well, geez, why don't we have this in our province? Like, why don't we have this here? And I like when sometimes people are like, well, shit, what is that? I don't know. It's not the feeling I'm getting chatting with you. And it's certainly the opportunity and the amount of pilots I know and the headaches and the travel. And buddy, I've, my good friend of mine, her husband was gone for a month down in Florida training. Uh, I believe on this aircraft, actually, I'm not mistaken. Or maybe he was on the Dreamliner, but yeah. gone for a month on the yeah. road. She's like, oh, yeah, well, he's been gone for months. I haven't seen him forever. You know, that that kind of a mindset. And, like, the quality of life, that's a very real thing. And, you know, just the, the value you can get out of your pilots. And as more and more people look at, well, geez, yeah, I, I'm doing this job, but I still need a balance. I still need my lifestyle to be taken into consideration. I don't want to sound altruistic with that, but I believe it is a factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, next steps. Big check is that to, is that uh, you know obviously there's the sim there's the relationship you've you've built out overseas being the first group to be able to test this is literally the next step for the growth of this business just to bring somebody in at that level where they can write a bigger check. I think I, that that is, a, yeah, that's it. Just scaling this thing up so we can get that simulator. We we <laughs> we we we, uh, we are we do have other avenues of, of revenue that can that can grow. Uh, so we so we've signed a joint venture with a company called Level Flight, and they're primarily into online training for for uh, ab initio training, so your private, commercial, multi IFR, that kind of stuff. And so we kind of we've piggybacked on their platform, their uh, online training platform, to provide the same type of service, but for commercial op air operators. Okay. Um, uh, so ground schools like uh, like airborne icing and um, high altitude training and RDSM and just the the generic courses that are out there and then and the, and ground schools on top of that and that has started creating a little bit of revenue and and uh, 
So we can see that part of the business uh, scaling uh, okay. as, in the I meantime. Uh, and uh, additionally, our contracting, training, and flying, uh, we, we would like to scale that as well. So, so, so there is avenues where we can continue to grow the company uh, in the meantime while we're waiting for that big check, <laughs> as I you said. I appreciate that. No, so, and, and that's what so, investors want to see also is that you've got some activity, you've got other areas, and it's also getting your brand out there. Like, let's just talk about from a marketing perspective, it's creating some brand awareness. And so the first time you go and bring the, you know, the, the, the big sim offering to the table, it's like, oh, I've heard of you guys. Oh, great to hear that you've evolved to that. It becomes a different sales story or a different brand story because your your name is now out there and, and it's not the first time people have heard of you. It's always easier to get access when your name has familiarity and you've already got context for the audience. Yeah. Well, you know, kind of the idea of it is what are you going to do in the meantime? So you might as well stay <laughs> not busy. Gonna, not going to sit around yeah. and think about and think about it, right? You're going to do something. Yeah, which exactly. Exactly. Even since so, we chatted, you guys have, have, have spun up a new website. We've got lots of information on here. I was going down the rabbit hole this morning. So. Yeah. The website's up and running now, which is great. You know, that was a process and, and yeah, uh, so. we're happy to see that and big shout out to style labs for helping us out with that. And um, it's, it's been, it's been a process. It's been a lot of a lot of stuff, and and every time something kind of gets tough, then you something good happens, and then you go, look, hey, we're motivated, and let's let's start kicking butt again. So <laughs> it's been it's been a, a really exciting journey, and and it, it's I'm having a lot of fun actually, so that's nice. I love it. What a, what a great yeah. Because amongst it all, in the sleepless nights and the in in the early mornings and and the stress of it all, to still know that you're doing something you love and and that you're very passionate about. And I'm assuming that kind of resonates probably across the board with your founders. Because certainly comes across you know when you and I met the first time to even now. So really appreciate one what you're doing because I love again I'm pro Alberta as everybody knows. Yeah. Anything that brings awareness to our province and sees a gap of like why are we outsourcing something we can do at home as long as it makes sense financially, not just an altruistic version. I love that you guys are doing this here. And as everybody, I also have a warm place in my heart for anything aviation related. So That's thanks awesome. for your passion and the hard work and kind of putting the time and uh, happy to uh, let's say, let's stay connected and let's, uh, you know, provide our audience with some updates and happy to support you guys in any, in any way that I can. I love, I love what you guys are about. So aerospace, um, E3 aerospace.ca. And I'm assuming if anyone wants to hit you up, LinkedIn, probably a good, you know, I think, I think that's how you, I think that's how you and I started dating was LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn is a, uh, is a good spot. I, um, I give you my email. It's uh, josh.hooper at e3aerospace.ca. Uh, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about uh, about what we've built, right? Let's talk about your baby. Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I have a sense it's your favorite thing to talk about. I'm going to take a wild guess there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josh, it was an absolute pleasure having you on and great to learn your story. And I wish you nothing but success. And I look forward to uh, having you on six months from now so we can do the Where Are We Now story, the update. Oh, that's fantastic. I appreciate that. And I really... Uh, I really want to thank you for taking the time to, to chat with me. I, I'm a big fan of the podcast. So, so oh, thanks, man. I love uh, so it. Thanks. Great. Yeah. I really appreciate that. All right. Well, have yourself a good one. Thanks, man. Yeah, you too.